Welcome to the Ripe Global Podcast, a podcast providing innovative and inspirational dental education to dental professionals and their teams worldwide. Each fortnight, we deliver relevant content covering procedures, educational opportunities, and interviews with rock stars from the dental world. As we explore successes and failures of dentistry, learn practical tips and expert advice to help you become a better dental professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ripe Global Podcast. This is Mike Melkers coming to you from Hanover, New Hampshire, and don't I sound fancy tonight, but you know what? This isn't about being fancy. I have one of my favorite people in the world, one of my good best friends, and you know him, I know him. He is the CEO, founder of Ripe Global, Dr. Lincoln Harris. So, Link, thanks for inviting me to your home, and thanks for coming on for a chat. Hey, Mike. It is such a pleasure. Always always great times chatting to you, and... Uh podcasts with you are just like, uh, they're not really work. <laughs> no, they're just, and it's been so much fun catching up with you. Gosh, it seems like you and I are talking almost every day, either in my night or your evening and, and, and vice versa, because there are some really exciting things going on right now. So I know people are hearing whispers. How about you make the grand announcement? What is about to happen? Well, we have just released our fellowship in restorative dentistry, and it is the world's first global intensive hands-on uh, course that you can attend from anywhere. And I'm not talking a webinar or send you some plastic models. This is a full-on interactive uh, restorative course that takes you all the way from crowns on back teeth to full mouth rehabs. Wow. So not just webinars. So do people just log on and the recorded lectures or, or what's going on with this? No, this is a structured course. So this is a course where people, uh, <clears throat> there is a curriculum, uh, you have to attend uh, classes. So uh, depending on your time zone, you'll be in a, a various time zone based class and you attend lectures. There are some recorded things, but it's mostly live and interactive. And of course, there is a bunch of hands-on stuff for you to do. And then there's intense hands-on classes where you will be mentored. We have the technology now to make this happen. This is exciting. And honestly, I feel silly asking some of these questions because I've seen behind the curtain. So I know a little bit what's going on. So we have, we have posterior, we have anterior, we have veneers and cosmetics, and we have full mouth rehabilitation. How is this going to happen? Can you, can you talk about the teaching methodology? Because people have taught all of those subjects before. How is this going to be different? So this method of teaching that we have developed, uh, it comes from two things. The first one is I have a background in aviation. I got my pilot's license when I was 16, and then I got it again when I was about 32. And <clears throat> along the way, I have learned that if... Pilots learn to fly the way we get taught to do dentistry. A lot of people would die. So uh, <clears throat> that's because, you know, the, you can't afford a complication. You can't afford to make a mistake when you're flying. So that's the first background. The second one is it came from watching people do uh, full mouth rehabilitations. I used to run full mouth rehabilitation courses in my office and people struggled. I thought, why are they struggling? And then I realized they'd only ever done two crowns before. And you can go to a course and learn to do a crown, but unless you do a lot of crown preps, you can't actually do it on a patient. 
once you're under stress. So then we started looking into why is this? You know, what, what is the psychological reason that you can go to a course, but then when you're under the stress of the patient, you can't remember what you were taught. And so that led us down a little rabbit hole of, of educational psychology and uh, how, how people learn to do things so that they can do it, perform it under stress. And there are industries that do this very well. So paramedics do this. They train for doing their procedures under stress. Uh, NASA trains astronauts to be able to fly even when they're under stress. Aviation does it. Uh, emergency rooms do it now. And this comes from the study, the human study, or the, 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 the study of human factors, which is how people do things under stress. So out of these two areas, we developed courses where when we do the hands-on training, we actually simulate the intensity and the duration of real working, uh, really working on a patient so that when you do treat a patient, those skills don't desert you. So if we could back up like uh, how you got there, how we got, how we got there, what was the downfall? What was the problem with the previous teaching methodology? You have that nice relaxed room, you have your tea break. Why, why doesn't that approach work? Why does that fail? Well, it works commercially, as in it's great for students because they have a great time. Okay, it's like a little holiday, it's tax deductible, it's great fun, but it doesn't work from a teaching you skill. Okay, and why not? Because firstly, under stress, it's relatively well known that under stress, up to 70% of your skill can depart you. So your skill will, your skill and knowledge can reduce by up to 70% when you are under stress. And that's why when you have a difficult patient, the procedure is much more difficult. So the second thing is that like, if you do a crown course, uh, and it's like, you know, a step-by-step -step crown course, it's great. It teaches you knowledge, you know, step one. Okay. Let's talk about occlusal reduction. And then we spend all morning, we do an occlusal reduction that teaches you knowledge. You really understand how to do a crown prep, but that doesn't teach you skill. Skill is a completely different thing. Skill takes repetition. Skill takes muscle memory. And so the methodology that's relaxed and really nice and we have tea and we do hardly any repetitions and we really understand the knowledge that is desirable to teach because it's cheap to give knowledge, but it is not building muscle memory or skill. And you need to have such a reservoir of skill when you leave a course that even under the stress of a real patient, you have enough left that you can perform the procedure. That only comes through repetition. So the, the, we started running hands-on courses on models, uh, on mannequins. So we only do them on mannequins. We don't do them bench top because you can't really put a handpiece through the back of the patient's throat. Oh, that's uh, unfortunate. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so much more convenient. Plus you could bill for that. <laughs> is that probably an insurance code? <laughs> yeah, and, and there probably is. Yeah. But, you know, but I think about that, the, the way you talk about with the, the benchtop models, the relaxed atmosphere. And uh, as an educator, I can, I, I can remember being surprised when the students would call me and with the questions. And I was thinking, wait, we spent all day on that. But we spent all day doing that once. So... Yeah. This is a different approach. Yeah, so we, we're really trying to create simulations. So uh, I'll give you an example. When we, 
when we run a posterior hands-on, we want people, and we're just doing indirect work. We want we don't want people to do one crown prep. We want them to do sixteen in a very short period of time. Okay. Now it's not that we're encouraging rough, quick, nasty work. That's not it at all. It's that we recognise that even if your first crown prep is awful, which you've done fairly quickly under pressure the second one will get better and the third one will get better and the fourth one. And we can go back and correct all those mistakes because often actually you have to fail at something and you're better to fail on a plastic tooth than a real one. So we might as well get the failure out of the way very quickly on a mannequin who will never sue you. So uh, that's that intensity and repetition builds muscle memory. Now I can teach anyone theory. Uh, you know, it is, it's easy to teach theory, but it, it's not, easy to have uh the muscle memory the skill okay it skill and theory are different things you, you brought up an interesting word though that, that a lot of people wouldn't aspire to and you brought up failure and failure actually being a key component to teaching and learning can you can you talk about the the fail fast approach that you've developed mm. yeah so Failing is actually part of learning and you cannot learn without failing. It is impossible. Uh, so there's a couple of things about that. Uh, when you do fail, your ability to learn knowledge and to see importance in knowledge is significantly <clears throat> increased. Everyone who is experienced knows this. You know that it's very easy to learn occlusion after you've had three crowns break on, on a new case. But it's, <laughs> yeah. it's less interesting when you haven't had anything break. Uh, it is easier to understand the theoretical concepts of how to do a crown prep after you've had an attempt in a very short time frame. Okay, so that failure of I didn't, I tried to do it in the time frame that's convenient, it was awful, it was a failure. But now when you are being taught, you can actually see, you can't see anything when you have never tried and you can't try unless you're willing to have a failure. And it's much better for the failure to be on plastic than on enamel and dentine. How does, how does that approach <clears throat> vary from what you see in a traditional approach of teaching in a hands-on course? That... Well, traditional hands-on courses, first of all, they, they weren't hands-on. Okay. <laughs> We are, I am seeing this, the influence of what we've done before spreading around the world, and that's cool. Uh, the traditional hands-on course was actually about 60% theory. You would go to a hands-on course and you would sit around most of the time listening to a lecture and then the demonstrator would demonstrate and then you would actually do something. So first of all, most hands-on courses used to be 30% hands-on. Uh, and we, we really moved towards 100% hands-on years ago and having all the theory online. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is that <clears throat> many hands-on courses are still focused on this idea that they have to teach knowledge. Uh, you have to teach the technical aspect with theoretical perfection. And actually you don't because once you have hand skills of a particular sort, then you can download the knowledge from any theoretical source and you can make your hand do it. But if you don't have the hand skills, it doesn't matter how much uh, knowledge is downloaded into your brain, you cannot do it. 
Okay. So, you know, like if you have incredible knife skills and then someone gives you the theory of how to uh, make a recipe where you have to chop onions. Okay. You don't need to be trained in chopping onions at that point because you already have the knife skills available. You can just read about it and do it. Okay. But if you don't have the knife skills, it doesn't matter how many recipes you read, you actually can't do it. So, so, so actually going through our course, a lot of the hands-on skill sections are before the theory. We want to train you in this muscle memory and once you can actually do it, then you can, then we uh, show you how to, then we, we show you the knowledge. Okay. So I, I, I love the way that sounds. Can, can you walk me through how that occurs? So let, let's just grab module one. So module one is posterior dentistry. Can you, can I, I'm interested in this course. I want to sign up. What, what does module one look like? How, how do we, how do we walk through that? So module one is, it's called posterior dentistry, back teeth. But really what we're teaching you is all of the basics of restorative in an area where aesthetics don't matter so much. Uh, <clears throat> so you only have one thing to think about. Uh, and the way that works is almost every, well, every module, there is an exercise that you need to complete before <clears throat> the theory starts, which is completely unmentored and untrained, okay? Why? Because until you've done something, you can't learn it. Okay. You will know this because when you're at dental school, you watch one of your professors do something and it was really easy. And then you go to do it and you can't remember anything they've done. I specifically remember third molar surgery. I watched uh, professor Monsour do four wisdom teeth in 10 minutes. And it was all very easy and tiny little hole and like hardly any sutures. And then I go to do it. I had no idea where he'd done the incision because until you've done it, you actually can't see what someone is doing. So yeah. every, every module has a essentially a fail fast hands-on exercise before we start. Okay. Then we get into uh, some core foundational theory. Uh, we don't just want you to be tell your stuff. We also want you to think. So there's exercises on, you know, how to think critically. There's treatment planning. We want to see how you treatment plan. We want all the people in the group to share how they treatment plan so that you get more than one opinion and you start to understand that there's many ways to look at things. And then at exactly the right moment in the course, there will be an intense hands-on. So on the posterior, it's like how to do a whole quadrant of composite back to back, which is probably one of the most difficult things in dentistry, to be honest. And then once you've done that, there is a whole series of theoretical uh, uh, lectures and exercises on the technical aspects of what makes that great. But there's no point teaching you the technical aspects of what makes it great until you have a fair bit of training. You don't need to understand all the whys to learn hands-on skills. In fact, it's better to learn hands-on skill first and then be told why later. See, Karate Kid, Mr... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. What was his name? Miyagi or something? He, yeah, he was right. You know, <laughs> you have to learn to do wax on, wax off, and then later on you learn why. So, so we're going to be Miyagi Do or Cobra Kai. I mean, how does this fall in the whole thing? Well, it's actually funny because the, we we employ a, a psychologist at Ripe Global, and she was telling me that this whole way of training is actually very Eastern. She says, "Oh, that's that's uh, very Confucian or some I don't know some such thing." Basically, you learn how. And then you learn why. And, and 
it's pretty much the opposite of just about every dental thing ever, but it's actually way better because the theory makes sense once you've had, once you've had experience. So sounds like, so posterior starting with, <clears throat> you said uh, some kind of pre-theory fail fast. Then you learn some, you learn some theory, you learn some, you hear some lectures and then you're dropped into this intensive hands-on. Can you tell, can you tell me more, tell me more about the intensive hands-on because you have two components. We have the, we have the direct, and you talked about some back-to-back -back composites, composites, yep. I'm sorry, my international yeah. call. I have to yeah. switch my language. And yep. then we go to the posterior. So what are, what are, what's the hands-on and the posterior? So the, the hands-on is the direct, direct. Indirect. indirect. Yeah, Thank so you. indirect is, this is really where we get into hardcore hand skills, okay? It is most people who attend, or a lot of people who've attended these courses have only ever done one or two crowns before. And so they can never treatment plan more than that because they don't think they can do it. Um, we tend not to treatment plan what we don't think we can confidently do. So we want to just drop them into hardcore crown preps, okay? It doesn't matter whether it's an onlay or so on, okay? So we will generally want them to do about 16 crown preps in a row. So just one after the other, okay? And then their first crown preps won't be that great. So we want them to go back. And these are crown preps with cores. So we want them to like destroy the tooth, do a core build up and then do a crown prep. Okay. And then <clears throat> destroy their brand new crown prep and then recreate it by essentially over core building up, which is what you do when you dismantle teeth and then do upper teeth. Okay. So that's, that's really cool. Actually, you know, I, I, what, I assume that you were reprepping a brand new tooth each time, but what you're talking about is more reality is if we're just given a full form tooth each time, we don't know how to deal with ones that are all broken down after we take off a crown. Yeah. Okay. The only thing that I can't do through this method, which used to be one of my favorites was wait until people, <laughs> this sounds awful. I used to wait until people had this beautiful crown prep and they were so proud of it and they would bring it to me. And then I just get a massive burr and destroy it and go, right, go and do it again. Okay. Because that there is a, there is a reason for this. Okay. It's not just to be an idiot. It's because often we're at the end of a difficult procedure and we mentally we're going, ah, oh, I'm done. I can chill now. And then something goes wrong to lift yourself off the floor and have the endurance and the ability to then go, okay, I got to start again. Okay. Or I take an impression. I'm really tired, but the impression has a bubble and I take a second impression and it has a bubble. And I take, you know, so that ability to keep going when you just go, Oh, I want to go home. Okay. That, that, that is often the difference between excellence and complete abysmal work. So I can't do that, but I could tell people to do it. So through the, through our imaging tech, I can say, Hey, now destroy your preps and do them again. So, <laughs> you know, you, you bring up and we're talking about a lot of things and there's a big, huge elephant in the room. And that is how do they actually get to do this? And how do you get to see them? I mean, where, where are they getting all the armamentarium and kit and how do you get to be in that room with them? That was the tricky thing to solve and solve it, we did. Uh, so anyone listening, I don't want this to sound as easy because <laughs> it wasn't. <clears throat> the first thing was we started, it was actually, when you, when you design something, when you do something important, you have to start with a vision or a goal. And our goal was, well, first of all, we knew what it wasn't. We were not going to do something unless it was at least as good as what we did before, if not better. 
<clears throat> so we knew that we couldn't just ship people printed models or uh, send them webinars or do videos online or all of this. Okay, we do all those things, but that for this type of course, it's not enough. <clears throat> but then we realized we're not flying anywhere. We're not renting hotels. We're not renting facilities. And so all of that budget we have now transferred to actually sending you, we send the SimLab to you. <clears throat> when you sign up, you get the right global teaching kit. It includes mannequins. It includes the camera technology. Uh, it includes a few other things that you need to run this course. <clears throat> and it, uh, once you have that kit, you can then attend all of our courses online. Uh, and how does it work? We can have a camera mounted right over your mannequin. We can actually see what you're doing. We can zoom in, we can pan all around. We can control the camera from here. We can have a class of people so I can do a demonstration to the whole class. Uh, <clears throat> and then I can do breakouts. So I can select one student, go, hey, how are you going? And we can just have a private one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, I can control their camera so I can zoom in on what they're doing. Uh, and our collaborative tech allows us to, you know, they can send us a high definition photo and we can just on the fly show them how to improve it. it it's, it's interesting because until you see it done, you can hardly imagine how it's done. And then once you see it done, you go, wow, that's, that's, I, I was even showing my dental assistant. She goes, wow, that's, that's better. She said, normally when you're doing a hands-on, you start doing a demonstration and 15 people crowd around and they can't see anything. And now everyone can see just as well. And the, the thing that really floored me is I was doing a lot of the camera <clears> workouts. <throat> and, uh, you know, and when we, were, when we were looking through and selecting all the equipment is I was thinking, how do we make this as good? And as I was positioning that camera over my shoulder for you to see what I was doing, I realized unless you were sitting in my lap, at that, at that live that's, hands that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> well, who says it hasn't happened? Let's let's be fair. I mean, I'll, we'll always have Sydney and and uh, and, and uh, Chatswood. But no. But I mean, jokes aside, is <clears throat> no one truly gets your perspective at a live lecture or a live hands-on because they're not inside your eyes. But that camera can be on the student's forehead, on your forehead, on your clavicle, and we can actually literally see much better than we could if we were in person mm -hmm. and that's what uh, that, that's the thing that actually shocked me this isn't a substitute this is an evolution yeah yeah it's better it's better in so many ways it's actually it's hard to let go of the past you know like we we have a comfort with the past we have a comfort with old old ways we have a comfort with you know like hey, this is human nature. We want to go to the local dairy and buy cheese and milk from the man who owns the cows. But the reality is that that day is gone a long time ago. People, people, you know, life except moves on. Except yeah. for in New Hampshire and Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I bet you that 90%, 99% of the milk in New Hampshire comes from the supermarket. You know, probably, yeah, probably, probably Amazon will figure out how to ship fresh milk soon. So, um, <clears throat> anyway, so it's hard to let go of the past the way we used to teach. We all used to hop in planes and burn carbon like crazy and get to one location. And, and like it was, it's kind of, it's funny. Once you move on, you go, that's kind of silly. You know, or we had to get a speaker and transport them in a metal tube, you know. 
burn 50 tons of jet fuel in a metal tube and then they do a two-hour lecture at a conference and go home that's that's ridiculous that, that sounds like they're walking to school two miles uphill in the snow both ways when i was a kid speakers flew across the pacific for 12 hours both ways and the, the grandkids are gonna be like no way grandpa that didn't happen they, that's, that, that's so stupid <laughs> who would do that <clears throat> so like just you know for an example we're, we're running this restorative continuum and uh you know we have we have teachers in that course who are from estonia from sweden from northeastern united states from southwestern united states from australia from where else uh india india romania everywhere okay there is like the, the cost you would never assemble a lineup of speakers like that normally because the cost is just too great. It's, it's too, uh, and then you would have to, not only did you transport all the teachers into one location, you transported all the audience into one location. So it's like, you know, it's, it's funny for me. I had a lot of resistance letting go of that. And then once you let go of it, you go, why do we, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. We've moved on. We've moved on. <laughs> when when we put together, I, and I know we can't we can't let the cat out of the bag, as they say, to to name all the names. But when I look at the names of the educators that we have selected and that are putting the curriculum together, I mean the the hair literally stands up on my arms. I can't I can't think of anywhere but ripe that we could bring together this caliber of people and make this happen. <clears throat> Well, you know, it's just one of those great things that uh, the the right Facebook group has been a great place to find speakers, and you know, Instagram and so on as well. Okay, not not every educator has to be a social media star, but uh, the discipline of frequently exposing your work to the entire world does create, uh, you know, it creates authenticity. This is not, when people post cases regularly, you can tell that it's not their, like if someone posts every two or three weeks, okay, maybe they just don't want to show off and they're just an amazing clinician. They don't want to show off and dominate the world, okay? But it could also be that they're just choosing the best case that they spend an extra special amount of time on Friday afternoon with a film crew. <laughs> <laughs> but people who do stuff regularly, you know, and where you see their work regularly you know that that's the quality of work that they produce so uh yeah it's great to have access to such a diverse group of people it really is it's well that's the I and mean, that's what i was kind of alluding to is is with ripe is you know old school and you know how you and i grew up it, it was the names and it was the quote-unquote old boys club and every single one of the educators that we picked is a star not because of international name recognition is because they shine and it doesn't matter who they're you know where they're from or what their name is the whole democratizing education you know it's a catchy slogan but it's so true that whoever has the skills to step up and share with their colleagues around the world has a place at the table potentially yeah i mean you know one of the things that's <clears throat> i've had quite a few discussions with a colleague in europe and i said you know what i I understand the importance of higher education, but I don't choose people based on their degree. I, I, I choose people because they have an ability to teach and they have 
great skill and they are, you know, good communicators. Okay. If you have like a PhD, that's great. If you don't have one, I don't care. Like it's, it's, I don't care about hierarchies and I don't care about, uh, you know, which city you live in and who your parents are and any of that sort of old, old world lineage stuff. The only thing I care about is, you know, what can you do and how well can you do it? So, uh, <clears throat> that and that that also that you teach things that are relevant in real practice because <clears throat> so i you know one of the first things we did when we wrote this restorative course was we said what is actually our vision for this course you need to have a vision for anything that you do because if you don't have a good vision you don't have something to aim for and you don't have something to measure things and we started off <clears throat> the very thing, first thing and i think this is very unique the first thing we started with was we want the patient to be safe. Okay. So we're not talking about, oh, we want to create the best ed educators or have the best educational experience or have the, you know, students have a great time and get good learning. We want the patient to be safe. That is our first and for foremost goal. And then we thought, how do we get that? <clears throat> we need the dentist to be confident and competent. So you need confidence because if you don't have confidence, you don't commit to things and actually doing something with half confidence is quite dangerous. If you don't commit, it's like, you know, to use an analogy that's slightly dangerous. If you're base jumping, if you don't jump off the cliff with confidence, you're going to hit the rocks on the way down. Uh, and competence. So competence is different to your part. You know, the, the, this course actually has assessment. So we will assess you and give you feedback on, you know, what's good, what's not so good, what you need to improve. And obviously we're not going to put our stamp on someone at the end unless we go, hey, your, your patients will be safe. Uh, so that was the starting point. And that, I think that is unique to have a starting point of remembering that at the end of our education is a patient. And that's the whole point. The whole point is not to be like, produce the most students or the have the biggest educational theory platform or whatever but the point is that at the end of our education at the end of your hands is a live patient and we want them to be safe in your hands that's our goal i love it <clears throat> patient safety first and foremost supported by confidence and competence so how does that confidence get achieved? <clears throat> so confidence, unfortunately, is not achieved through warm, fluffy tea breaks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so confidence comes from hardcore doing stuff. That's why our hands-ons are pretty hardcore. But also it comes from uh, seeing a whole group of people around you supporting you, but sharing their experience. So that's why if you read through our curriculum, there's, this case presentation is built in. That's where you have to step by step, take photographs of your own work and share it with the group. Um, and that also teaches you to document your work. So anyone who doesn't document their work well, by the time they start the course, by the time they finish, they will be just doing it routinely. And that teaches you to see once it, once your eyes see, then you can correct. So it is the combination of intense repetitious hands-on and teaching you to see and and adding in the uh, uh, 
documentation aspects and the sharing with a group. When you talk about, you know, talk about that confidence and you talk about the repetition, uh, there have been some studies that show the downfall of not doing that. Okay? And you, you alluded to NASA, you alluded to pilots and paramedics, and there's actually some, some pretty hard data that supports this approach. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so the, the reality is that if you, don't, if you don't train with enough reserve of skill, then when you're under pressure, you can't do something, okay? You, you, it, it's, there is quite a lot of evidence that under stress and pressure, your ability to do your normal thing is reduced by up to 70%. So if you don't have, if you finish a course and you have just enough skill to do something, then in real life, you actually don't have enough skill to do. You have to have more skill than you need. So you have spare, <clears throat> you know, like when I was 16, we were practicing, what do you do when the engine goes out on your plane? This is like something we train all the time and you have to train all the time. And there's just a routine that you go through. And, and it's such a routine that even now, 27 years later, I can tell you what you do when the engine goes out on the plane. The very first thing you do is pull the nose up and gain any last bit of altitude you can. Okay. <clears throat> so there is a checklist and I, it, it is so ingrained and it's practiced so often that I can still remember it 27 years later. And so that, now it's not that we want unthinking robots. It's just that when you come under certain situations, you need to just bang, go through a routine because you've done it so many times. So that, that is <clears throat> that approach. Uh, and it, it, it understands, it's an understanding of human factors, which is the whole study, human factors and ergonomics is a whole area of study about how people, re, how people differ, how people react and do things under stress compared to normal. Because dentistry is very stressful. Like if you have a patient that won't go numb and they're moaning and they've got a thrashing tongue and they're gagging and they're producing a litre a minute of saliva, can't. It, it, the fact that you could do an MO on a benchtop model that you could rotate around backwards and you're sitting there chatting, you're all relaxed and having coffee, doesn't give you the ability to do the same thing on that patient. So that, that ability to perform in real life requires a more of a simulation. So that's, that's essentially what we've built. <clears throat> and that's also why... Uh, we have one why the hands-ons are so long. So some of them are like six hours and you're not having like an hour and a half for lunch and a half hour morning tea and afternoon. Because who does that in real practice? No one. Like in real practice, you sit down and then you start running late and you work all day and you skip lunch. And then at 5 p.m. you're trying to take an impression. That's, that's the reality of dentistry. It's not, and almost none of your patients can you rotate around backwards and access them through their spine. <laughs> so that's how you get us above the 70% skill set. The, 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 the long hours, the, the stress that goes along with it, the no breaks, the it's no not, tea. It's not, it's not try to make it boot camp. It's just that we try and simulate the reality. Like when we're doing the full arch hands-on exercise, <clears throat> day one, we prep all all of the upper teeth on your mannequin. And also we use a mannequin. We don't use bench top models because you need the unergonomics of a patient. So you need a patient. That's why we send a mannequin to everyone in the world who joins this because they, they need to have their own sim lab at home. You know, we used to all hop in metal tubes and burn carbon to get to the 
same SimLab and now we send the SimLab to you. I guess we're still, takes up less room on a plane, I think. You only have to do it once. <laughs> okay. And then I, was just, I was just on my high horse environmentally there and then I realised, hang on. <laughs> hang on, we've still got to do it a bit. Okay, just a little bit, but much less. So, um, and, and they don't need upgrades to business class. No, no, no. We can send it in the hold, which you generally don't do. So, uh, <clears throat> this doesn't this doesn't happen by mistake, though. I mean, all the things you're talking about, all these cameras, all these all these mannequins. You have an absolute amazing team back at the headquarters, back at Ripe Global. Can you can you talk about talk well, about them? Uh, the funny part is, in keeping with our whole mission and our whole approach, we don't have everyone at a headquarters. Okay, so. Even the team in Australia that helped run this, there's half of them in one town and the other half are in another town and they just use the same type of technology every day. And Cameron, who is the chief strategy officer, he comes from a background in collaboration technology. So he knows all the people at Cisco WebEx and at Zoom and at all the other ones. Okay. He knows all those people. Like he calls them up and says, Hey, so, and you know, we, but it's not just that. Like you, need, you do need a big team of people, and we've even, you know, and we have people who are in different countries, like you. You're you're heavily involved in this, and it's not, you know, you're not in the headquarters in Bagara or in Brisbane. You are in New Hampshire, okay. And then we've got people about to, people who have been involved in this course from Los Angeles and from New York and from Estonia and all over. So this is, it takes. It doesn't take a team this size to do something easy, but to do something, it's funny actually. Like after you saw the first iPhone with no buttons, it's really obvious and simple, but to get to that point, it's really hard. And so the other day when we were running a test, we were doing a um, testing on all the technology and I was running a simulation with one of the guys in my, in, you know, who's in another room and we're testing all the technology. And I was going, Man, this is so simple, but it was so hard to organize. So it took a lot it's of different funny, people. It's funny when you talk about iPhones and buttons. Yeah, I can't remember. Like somebody handed me, I'm like, ah, it's got buttons. I know, How does that work? I, I don't even remember that. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, Lithuania, Estonia, Romania, UK, India, United States, and of course, Australia. This is happening right now. We launched the sales, I guess, was it this morning or yesterday? A few days ago. We have, we have people signing up from yeah, we uh, already have, two we continents already have. so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so there, the, spot, the spots, are going, the spots are, are going right off the bat. So Lincoln, as <clears throat> you know, and everybody should know, if the, if the listening audience logs on to www.ripeglobal.com, You'll find links for the continuum for the interest list to sign up. Like I said, sales are open and we already have four or five people, I think, signed it's up. Currently, the- it's currently only open to the wait list, but uh, it'll be open generally pretty soon. So, Ah, well, there we go. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, yeah. But uh, the people who are signing up are just people from who there's like 400 people on the wait list. So they're getting, oh my. They're getting first dibs and then it goes out to everyone. So. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it is a lot of fun to solve difficult problems and do stuff for the first time. Well, thank you for your vision and thank you for your inspiration. And thanks for spending about the last hour with me. I, uh, 
I cannot wait to see where this goes next. I know that we have some exciting other things with the surgical, uh, surgical fellowship and continuum and some other exciting surprises that we're not quite letting out of the bag. Link, you have anything to say before we, uh, before we sign off? Uh, I just, you know, I think it is really enjoyable to help make, ed make education more accessible around the world, you know, to courses of this nature used to cost two to three times. Okay. This is not a cheap course, but this level of course used to be two to three times more and you plus you had to travel to somewhere. And so to make this available, uh, all around the world at a lower cost is just something that makes it fun to get out of bed in the morning. Affordable, accessible, excellent for everyone, everywhere. Democratizing education. This is Mike Melkers signing off from Hanover, New Hampshire, and Lincoln Harris signing off from Bagara, not the headquarters, <laughs> Australia. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for this incredible episode of the Ripe Global Podcast. We'll meet you back here next time for some more insights from Ripe Global. And in the meantime, Ripe Global is teaming up with master dentists from all over the world to offer you a fast-growing library of world-class online lectures and masterclasses. Visit our website at www.ripeglobal.com and become a member today.